Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I'm grateful for how well my Thanksgiving gratitude episode turned out. As of this recording, I am 535 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome, Mario. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, I had the pleasure of getting to meet you over this past year's GSM conference, but why don't you introduce yourself to everyone who might not already know you? Sure. My name is Mario, and I hail from Houston, Texas, vintage 1962, if that's important to anybody. And I have at this point, what did they say? 6,241 days sober, 6,241 days, which are just, wow, that number amazes me. Yeah, but that's an impressive number. (laughs) And before we jump into the thick of it, what are some of the favorite hobbies you found in sobriety? Mostly relaxing with reading or watching Netflix as much as I can. And it's funny because I try to watch series shows and then by the third episode, I'm like, ah, okay, I'm not done. So I'm constantly searching for something new to watch. But my, my favorite genres are um, anime, anything animated, superhero related or science fiction. So I try to, I try to keep up with some of that. Yeah. And what watching anything good lately? I actually did. Last night, I got a chance to watch Don't Look Up. Oh, that was very funny. It it was funny and thought-provoking mm-hmm. and also kind of sad, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, certainly. It, you know, it ended the, one, the way one might think it might, but at the same time, it was still sad. It was still sad, yes. Yes. Excellent. Well, let's tell us a little bit about with what your journey with alcohol and addiction was like. I know, like many of us, I started pretty early in my high school age. I graduated in 1979. I graduated in 1980. I definitely was by then smoking pot and drinking. And I joined the Navy, ended up in California for a while, which it could only be drinking because of the, the drug thing and everything at that time, the prohibitions against drug use. But once I was out of the service, it, it, it remained steady, steady until about the 90s when I was introduced to a little substance called crystal meth. And, and just to, to qualify or clarify, even before the crystal meth, if you had it, I would use it. You know, so whatever you had, I was going to use, I was going to try everything, right? I was going to try everything. But that particular drug really set something off in me. And it was off to the races at that point. And by 2003, I definitely was in a tailspin. I was um, hovering between making rent and being evicted and trying to feed myself and three cats at the time. My partner at the time, Alan, overdosed from crystal meth at the time. And uh, that was that was an experience to go through. But I still didn't stop. I still didn't stop. I, I didn't call it quits until October of 2005. Okay. And what prompted you to, to get sober? My moment of clarity, as we like to call it, or some of us like to call it, I used to have a habit of getting high, watching myself in the mirror, getting high, watch my little eyeballs, you know, dilate and stuff. I, I thought it was kind of neat. And the only way I can describe it is that I felt the pull of my ancestors. It was as, almost as if I heard them in the room with me. That um, they didn't do everything they did for me to do this as, as I was living my life. I come from a very strong female-dominated family. We are my generation of cousins and everything. We're all first-generation Americans. And a lot of them, we know our family history pretty well. And a lot of the women in my family, they were everything from midwives to they owned stores to they pulled their family through the Depression and stuff. And, and it was literally like I, I felt them tap me on the shoulder and say, you need to stop. You need to stop. This is not what we sacrificed, everything we sacrificed for you to be doing this. And I listened. I listened to that. 
I had, I listened to that inner voice that said, "Mm -mm, this is it. I'm done. Yeah. That sounds very inspiring. And what, or how has your life changed since getting sober then? A lot, (laughs) a lot. I had always wanted to get into nursing and I actually did at 18 have a scholarship at the time for a local college. And um, I frittered away because I was too busy chasing boys and beer at the time. We could drink at 18 at the time in Texas. And so I was too busy chasing boys and beer and I was unfocused. And I, I came back to Houston Started my sober journey in 2005, and by 2007, I was like, I got to do something with my life. I just got to do something. Why not go back to medical career? And mind you, I had done, have done, I I have done just about everything imaginable except jump out of a cake to make a living in my life. I I have cleaned houses. I have cooked. I have managed restaurants. I have run a computer system. I have trained people to use computers. I've done sales and hospitality. I've done marketing. I've done legal work. I've done administrative work. I mean, I've done just about everything. I was like, well, let me just try this venture. My, my local community college had a program of nursing, an associate's program. And I started with zero, <laughs> zero college credits to my name. And I did it. In 2013, I graduated my associates in nursing, top honors. And I was surprised that one, because I was 51 at the time, and I was one of the older, oldest people in my class. It was not the oldest one, but I was one of the older people in my class. And that I did so well, you know, and that I managed to stay focused in sobriety. And in that journey, in that, in that time frame, I had a boyfriend and we broke up in 2011 because of his relapse. And that was not something I wanted to even add to the layer cake. And, you know, securing a job, I had a really supportive boss. I was managing a hair salon at the time. No hair. I don't do hair, but I was managing the stuff, the appointments and the product and all that stuff. I was a lot of support from my family at the time. They still support me, but a lot of support from the family at the time and, and my boss. And it was a wonderful experience. And I, I, I did it, but I really had to put some thought to what am I going to do now that I'm like, you know, some 20 years from retirement age, what am I going to do? And I was like, well, n- nursing's there. Yeah. And uh, as far as career goes, I am now a charge nurse at a small ER in Houston, a very busy ER. In Houston, I've been doing ER work for five years in, in general nursing for the balance of my, I'm in my 10th year of nursing. Congratulations. It's inspiring the gifts of the sobriety. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I could not have done it. And and I definitely know, like I mentioned, I was 18 when I tried to do nursing because of everything I've gone through in life. And then the principles and the guiding wisdom I have from the program I work. I'm able to handle some of the stressors of nursing and, and the ER work and dealing with colleagues and dealing with difficult patients and difficult colleagues and just just life in fucking general. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm able to, I'm able to juggle all that because the principles that were really set down. And I'm glad it wasn't until 2008 that I started that journey. So it was five, six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. I really solidified my program and got my 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 feet grounded so that I could I could take that journey. That's really cool. And how do you feel your sexuality played a role in your addictions? Definitely. I know that I I drank and drugged because everyone else around me was at the time. I mean, I came out in the late 70s as, as a kid. And, you know, 
You want to smoke some pot? Sure. You want to get a blowjob? Sure. That's that's just how we rolled at the time, you know. And yeah, yeah, the the intro card, the the, the social lubricant of, of being gay at, at that time and growing up and being young and silly was definitely drugs and alcohol. And and um certainly sport fucking was part of it. And how many people could you get in a weekend at the bathhouse? You know, and if you had to barter for some drugs at some time with sex, then fine, whatever. That's what it took. I, I definitely did my share of all of that. So my sexuality definitely plays a part in in my addiction and it plays a big part in my sobriety. Yeah, tell us more about how it's impacted your sobriety. I, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky in Houston. We have a fabulous Lambda Center, our gay and lesbian AA center. And we welcome all all folks and allies and of all, of all things, one of my sisters is Jehovah's Witness, but she was very, very kind and loving. And she did research and she had a packet of information for me when I when I came to Houston. And one of those resources was Lambda Center. Full disclosure, I'm about to open another closet door here. One of the group meetings that they have there on the regular is a positive sobriety meeting for people with HIV and their supporters. And I was like, I, I got to go to this meeting. If anything, I've got to make that meeting at this place. And Lambda Center became my home base for, for sobriety and recovery. I am surrounded by a vast community of loving, wonderful people. And I've learned to give and, and, and give back to the center in many, many, many levels in different, different ways. A little, a little, what do they call these things? Soapbox. Soapbox. My first sponsor, he was my sponsor for 15 years and we're deep deep close friends we've gone past being sponsor sponsee but he's in his 80s in his late 80s and i've taken it upon myself we and we agree we discuss this we discuss this and everything but i'm now his medical poa i do a lot of his appointments and everything and it saddens me um that not as many young younger folks in sobriety step up to the plate for some of the older folks in sobriety which is something that was modeled to me in my family of origin you know you take care of your elders and so, like I said, it's a little bit of a soapbox for me that, you know, gosh darn it, if they're 80 and they don't drive anymore, take go pick them up, mm-hmm. take them to a meeting, take them for coffee. They they need that as much as you do to have that service work. And um, so it's something I've, I've learned to do at Lambda Center. And I've been very involved with their upcoming roundup. I've done several of their skits and sobriety shows that they do. I always wanted to be a star. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've been very involved with the Lambda Center at that level and helped out with several of the entertaining things they do from drag shows to dishes and things like that. And, and certainly the roundup play too. Yeah, that's fabulous. And that's definitely some excellent advice for our younger listeners as well. And what are some other practices you use in your daily life to help keep you sober? There's an excellent, at the same center, a six 30 in the morning meeting that happens Monday through Friday, they call it eyes wide shut. Mm-hmm. And man, there's some good sobriety in those rooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's some good sobriety in, in those meetings. And when I can, I make myself go to that meeting. I find that I really work best, especially during my downtimes from nursing, to have that so that that focus in in the morning and some time to organize my thoughts. You know, page eighty six, eighty seven, and eighty nine were very and eighty eight, eighty nine were very important to me in my early sobriety. So that upon awakening, we turn our thoughts to our Creator and ask for guidance. Blah blah blah. And I find the meeting does that for me. I find the meeting gets me set up on the right path. I have a chance to to listen to what's going on inside, to listen what's going on outside, um, and get and get some good direction, good orderly direction, as they call it. 
Yeah, I can imagine. I wish I was more of a morning person, but I learned to sleep quite well in my sobriety much better than I did before. So I'm just enjoying that part for now. Baby cakes, I could too. (laughs) I could too. And what's one piece of advice you often find yourself giving newcomers or people who are curious about sobriety? Give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Give it a chance. You know, and, and I've been honest about this in, in recent months. When I first came in in 2005, I honestly thought it could, you know, five, six years of, of either abstinence or learning how to handle my drugs better and shit like that. And that yeah, it would be okay. It'd be, it'd be, and then as I stayed in and, and did my routine of meetings and, and things like that and worked with others, I really saw that it's true. There is no going back. If I'm truly, and I am, if I'm truly an addict alcoholic, there is no going back. There is no, well, just for the weekend. There is no this time only, this friend celebration. My 60th birthday was just this last year, this last March. There, there's no there's no picking up for me. For me I can only speak for myself. So I know that to be true because I've seen it. I have seen other people live that experiment one more time. And I have lost several, several really good people in my in my 17 year journey here yeah that's excellent i i know a, a listener reached out when they were in the very early days and they were like why how haven't you relapsed yet and i was like it's listening to the stories like of people like who share their experience about what that was like and i was like i don't want that for myself i want to stay sober and to be sure i know for myself before i came in and did it and, and i'm not a one chip wonder because i didn't even pick up a desire chip i didn't know what that that was i didn't i didn't figure what that was until like my second or third week i was like, oh that's what that was so so i didn't pick up a desire chip to be honest but um even pre-sober days there were many many attempts at like like the some of the literature describes as you know only this not that only during these times never during a holiday only during a holiday etc 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 i tried all the different ways i mentioned one person that died i've also lost another lover in 89 to age up to AIDS, and we had been together six years in for both when both partners in, in their respective time frames died i stopped for 30 days i was going to be a good widow and i stopped for 30 days right Mm -hmm. and i was just i couldn't wait till day 31. Mm -hmm. i could not wait you know so i i did my relapsing before i came in the rooms true true to be true and honest in my journey i did my relapsing before i came in the rooms because i thought i could do it and um definitely i needed the help of the of the collective wisdom of aa and cma that's my other that's my that is my primary fellowship crystal meth anonymous i needed that collective wisdom to get me through those those early times ago you know what this this definitely is is not an experiment any longer i definitely have to live the real lab the the real lab today yeah i can relate and what's been your favorite mantra or quote to try and live by oh there's so many of course there is a solution that whole that whole page is it twenty five? Because I'm not I'm not a, a I don't memorize pages that way. But and it's for myself. It's got a really interesting connection. One of my first private duty nursing is I was getting ready for the boards. I answered a, an ad for a family looking for a weekend coverage for a child with disabilities, and he didn't understand a word I said. Right? You know, we, he, his his 
mentality was just enough that we could watch cartoons together. And I enjoyed it too. I mean, because I love cartoons, right? But there were times we would be doing his little exercise bike around the neighborhood and I would be repeating out loud, there is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for successful consummation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I memorized that passage. And, you know, if it put to the test, I could probably do it still. But I, that, 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 that has become my mantra. I love that. The solution, you know, because it's like that. If, if you're really truly, if you remember the, the book, Grok, Grok through that passage, The Stranger in a Strange Land. If you Grok through that whole, just really absorb what that three paragraph page is saying, you know, that it, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. There is something that will work. It may not always be the thing I want it to work. Mm-hmm. There is, there is a solution. I just have to be humble enough to be open for it. Yeah, that's my favorite mantra, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. And we're going to get more in our next episode into your work with GSM. But in the meantime, how can our listeners find you if they want to reach out? I am on Facebook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look Mario A. Marino. I use my middle initial because there's a bunch of us out there, apparently. So I'm in Houston, and since you mentioned GSM, my professional for that for that organization is chair at gayandsober.org. You can always drop me a line through that, or you can reach out through me at Facebook. I'm part of the Gay and Sober Men's Facebook page. I, I Like I said, I have my own profile page. So by all means, if you have questions, look me up. It's definitely, the, I guess the other mantra, the other favorite mantra is, our primary purpose is to stay sober and help the other alcoholic and addict to achieve sobriety. Yeah. Those yeah. those two are are truly my mantra. That's what I live by. There is a solution, and my primary purpose from here on out is to help the other alcoholic or addict who suffers. Yeah, I'll be sure to add them into the show notes. So thank you so much. Stick around because we're going to continue our conversation over on the Patreon page. If you want to can hear the rest of this conversation, join our Patreon family today. Head over to the post show on our page to hear more about Mario's experiences in sobriety. And as we hinted at, stay tuned next week for a whole episode where we dive into our work with the GSM conference. If you're interested in sharing your story or getting involved with the show, you can email me at gayapodcast at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at gayapodcast. And follow this podcast wherever you're listening so you can get new episodes when they come out every Thursday. Until that time, stay sober, friends. Thank you.